Exactly. <laughs> so! Who the devil are you? Don't panic. Just come up with a good story. My name is Mr. Burns. Excellent. Howdy doodly, friendarinos. My name is Perry, and you are listening to Hello, Mr. Burns, a research podcast to help you win pub trivia. How have we all been? How's life been? I know it has been a massive break in between episodes, but um, oh, I just got distracted. But that's fine because I'm here and I'm ready to party and we've got a good episode today. So we've got season two, episode 13, and this episode has kind of a long title and I keep getting it wrong. So I'm going to have to read it off my screen. We're about to dive into Homer versus Lisa and the Eighth Commandment. Oh, actually, that's not that long. I don't know why I thought that was longer. But anyway, originally, apparently, it was going to be called just Homer versus the Eighth Commandment, but the writers decided to include Lisa in the title because they wanted the cast to feel as if all their characters were equally represented on the show, which kind of reminds me of that thing about um, behind the scenes from Friends where the writers used to have up like a board to make sure that every single character from Friends, like all of the main cast, of course, um, had equal amount of jokes every single episode, which um, when you walk, watch back, they do that really well. So this episode um, of The Simpsons, when you watch it, has a really cool little opener with like Moses reading the Ten Commandments. And I kind of love seeing all of like ye old timey people just like committing all the sins. Anyway, okay, shall we dive into an episode synopsis? I think we should. Let's go. What do you want? I want free cable! (laughs) This is the episode where Homer gets an illegal cable hookup through this dodgy cable installation guy. Despite the family absolutely loving the fact that they have free cable, Lisa learns about the Ten Commandments in Sunday school and realises that, yes, they are stealing cable, and the guilt begins to eat away at her. All right, children. Now, I don't want you to get frightened, but it's my responsibility to teach you this. Today's topic will be hell. All right. As a B-plot, Bart discovers a porn channel called Top Hat Entertainment. Homer catches him watching it and makes him promise not to watch it again. Bart agrees and says yes, he's learned his lesson and um, goes behind Homer's back and begins to charge the neighborhood children 50 cents to watch the channel. He's so entrepreneurial. Lisa's suspicions are confirmed by Reverend Lovejoy, and he suggests that she should lead by example by no longer watching TV. Would like to see you set an example by not watching the offending technology yourself. Homer invites pretty much the entire town around the house to watch the cable TV boxing match, and Lisa does like a peaceful protest where she sits outside on the lawn. The guilt gets to Homer as well, and he decides to come out and join her on the lawn along with the rest of the family. Promising that tomorrow he cuts the cable. Dad, I think that's pretty spurious. Well, thank you, honey. So lots of little notable quotables in this episode. I particularly really enjoyed the bit with like the running gag with the pamphlets. So you've decided to steal cable. Uh Uh-huh. There's also this just wonderful little moment with Reverend Lovejoy. Now today's Christian doesn't think he needs God. He thinks he's got it made. He's got his hi-fi, his boob tube. And his instant pizza pie. Ooh, pizza. I don't know why I'm so tickled by the way he says boob tube. It's just real. Oh, it's just great. I actually want to see if I can get that on my phone as a, um, like the text message tone. Be so good. Um, oh, and also finally, it's got nothing to do with the plot. Oh, actually it does have something to do with the plot. I take that back. But when uh, Mr. Burns shows up for the fight and we hear this little back and forth between Homer and Bart. Ah! Oh! Mr. Burns! 
work. I did stuff I borrowed from work. Borrowed? All right, the stuff I stole from work. Oh, okay. I don't know if you guys remember, but our, our queen and savior, Rihanna, used to do this thing where she'd be photographed leaving a party with like a wine glass in hand. So my old apartment, rather than buy a glassware, whenever I went to an event, I'd just walk out with a wine glass. And I had quite a pretty, like, a pretty good collection. I think I got to about eight glasses. It was really good. If anyone from those events is listening, that was a joke. I didn't do it. And I definitely don't have a lot of glassware that has brands printed across it. That's just a rumor. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about the backstory of this episode because it really shows just how fantastic the Simpsons writing staff are. So, of course, the episode is based on the Eighth Commandment, which is Thou shalt not steal, which is one of the Ten Commandments. The Simpsons writer Al Jean said that whenever people used to come up to him and say that The Simpsons was just some sort of outrageous show that has no moral center and blah, 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 he said that he always used to point to this episode as proof that they have, like, a moral compass. So producer Jeff Martin spoke about the writers and um, how they struggled with this episode because what they wanted to do is they wanted to find um, a sin that was so small and so like in the gray area that it would um, serve as the plot line. So what they said is that they found that cable theft, in their opinion, was essentially a victimless crime. I was trying to think of a modern equivalent and what I can think of is I guess it'd be like living next door to a Starbucks and stealing their Wi-Fi constantly. Um, technically a victimless crime. I mean, it puts you in danger. I guess there's the karma because it's an open network. So anyone can just jump in, but you know, um, I think it's kind of on the same, the same level of naughty no, no. So of course, as all of these earlier Simpsons episodes went, this one went really well. And, um, it actually inspired season four's episode, Homer the Heretic, in which Homer stops going to church on Sundays. I think stealing cable is wrong, so I'm choosing not to watch it in the hope that others will follow my example. All right, so, of course, Mr. Burns makes an appearance in this episode. So, you guys didn't think I'd be able to get through one without bringing up what he talks about. And, um, it's in, again, one of those jokes about Mr. Burns's age, so... We hear Mr. Burns recall, he recalls he was watching a bare knuckle match between gentleman Jim Corbett and an Eskimo fellow. I'm so sorry for saying the word Eskimo because I know that is a problematic word. My brother-in-law works at um, an ice cream company and they sell this ice cream called Eskimo pies, which are really tasty, but they had to rename it. So now it's called a polar pie. Oh, great. Quick look up who um, Jim Corbett was. So James John Jim Corbett, because, you know, his parents couldn't decide on one J name. They had to go for all of them. He was a, um American professional boxer and world heavyweight champion around 1892. So he's best known as the only man to have ever defeated the great James L. Sullivan. He kind of started this tradition within boxing, which is the idea of the man who beat the man concept. You know, it's boxing lineage. Sullivan is considered to be the last bare-knuckled champion because apparently no champion after him fought bare-knuckled. So Corbett was the one who introduced a really scientific approach to boxing. So he, um, like boxers around that time were not the fittest of guys. Most of them died of heart failure. They were overweight. They were, you know, just kind of angry people. They were just, they were just kind of, you know, those angry people you meet at the pub where you're like, dear God, you are out of shape, but I know that you could knock me out with one punch. It was that kind of boxing. So, um, Corbett came in and he had like a strict training regime. He, um, he took it really seriously. And, um, 
became a fantastic boxer because he prioritized technique over just brute force. Interestingly, he was arguably the first sports sex symbol of the time. Um, apparently one of his fights against a fighter, Robert Fitzsimmons, he um, caught the eye of quite a few ladies in the audience. And um, yeah, he was quite a heartthrob at the time. I did look him up and he did look exactly the way you'd think an old timey boxing man would look, like moustache and all, but you know, it's fine back in those days. I'm sure he was quite the Hemsworth. So speaking of boxing, um, this is of course the first episode where we get to see the Mike Tyson inspired character, Dredrick Tatum, the boxer. So the introduction of this character, it's really interesting because you always hear about the Simpsons predicting the future. And this is one of those weird little synchronicities where I'm like, you know, is, is, is the Simpsons predicting the future or is it just that these things are so obvious that they include them in the cartoon and then we find out about them later. But anyway, um, so when this episode went to air five months later, Mike Tyson was actually caught, uh, raping a black Miss American contestant and he was convicted and he went to jail for three years. Um, he was sentenced to six years in prison. He only got three. It's ridiculous. But anyway, um, and then ironically in this Simpsons episode. So remember, this is five months before this has even happened. We hear Dredrick Tatum saying that he was previously incarcerated for five years for aggravated assault and manslaughter. You know, it's weird before this, um, Mike Tyson had had some run-ins with the law when he was younger, but it was like very small crimes. So petty crime and apparently assault. It's just bizarre that like the Simpsons mentions this and then five months later, this happens to Mike Tyson. Although just lastly on this episode, um, we see the introduction of again, one of my favorite characters. I know I say that about all of them, but let's be honest. They all are, they are all fantastic. I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such movies as Cry Yuma and Here Comes the Coast Guard. So this is the wonderful Mr. Troy McClure. So Troy McClure is one of those fantastic characters. He's like this washed up, you know, Hollywood actor who's basically selling himself out as much as he can to rake in the dough, you know, to keep up his lifestyle. I love it. I'm here for it. Um, I follow Black China on Instagram and she's basically doing the same thing as Troy McClure where she is putting her face to every product. And I'm, you know what? Do it. Why not? Make that dollar. Anyway, so the character of Troy McClure is um, voiced, of course, by the wonderful Phil Hartman. I was really sad when I opened up his Wikipedia page to see that he, uh, he died in 1998, which explains why they discontinued the character of Troy McClure. I'm going to do a quick trigger warning um, because I know that all podcasts have to do trigger warnings. So it was uh, May 1998. And Hartman's wife, Bryn, had visited this Italian restaurant with her friend, Christine Zander, who's a um, producer and writer. And apparently they had a great time. They sat around, they had dinner, they had drinks, and um, all was fine. Allegedly, after returning home, Bryn had a heated, and the word heated is in quotes, argument with Phil Hartman, after which he stormed off and went to bed. She entered his bedroom sometime before 3 a.m., and as he slept... She put a gun to his head and fatally shot him once between the eyes, once in the throat, and once in the upper chest. So according to police reports, she'd been drinking alcohol, had recently had some cocaine, and she was also on prescription Zoloft. Bryn then drove to the home of her friend Ron Douglas and confessed to the killing, but apparently he didn't believe her, even though she was like covered in blood and hysterical. 
They drove back to the house in separate cars, I might add, because he didn't want to be in the car with her. And um, on the way home, apparently she called a second friend and confessed again. Douglas called 911 and police arrived and escorted Douglas and the Hartman's two children who were in the house at the time outside and to the police station. Bryn had locked herself in the bedroom and unfortunately shortly after this, she committed suicide by a self-inflicted gunshot. Pretty upsetting. I had absolutely no idea and um, really, really tragic and a really brutal end to someone's life. Um, And yeah, it's just really sad because I did love his characters. They were fantastic. But I don't want to bring the mood down. I think I've been listening to too many crime podcasts. So I feel like the moment I read this, I was like, ooh, crime. Um, But this is not a crime podcast. I'm sorry to report to you guys. So um, I'll give you a little fact about Troy McClure that should make you feel a bit better after that. Um, For unknown reasons in the Spanish dub, he is named Gregory Perkins. Yeah, no one knows why. They just gave him that name. All right, so that's the end of Homer versus Lisa and the Eighth Commandment. So just looking at my schedule and the next one that we've got up is Principal Charming. Um, And at first I thought that it was that, I don't know about you, but I think it was like the start of the downfall of The Simpsons, the episode where we find out that Principal Skinner is actually a man named Armin Tamzarian, which I don't know, it's a pretty crap episode. But um, no, 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 the next one up is a really good one where he actually – Skinner starts going on a date with Patty. It's real. Oh, my queen, my girl. Yes, that's coming up next. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, guys. And so concludes our tale. Good night and keep watching the skis. Uh, Skies.